0: The Taliban is not the the North Vietnamese army. There's gonna be no circumstance where you see people being lifted off the roof of a embassy of the United States from Afghanistan.
1: Welcome to the New Hampshire Journal Podcast. I am Michael Graham with NH Journal Flying Solo. We have another edition of the podcast later this week. This is kind of a special bonus edition because I was able to grab former U.S. Senator and possible Republican candidate for governor in New Hampshire, Kelly Ayotte, to talk about the Afghanistan fiasco, President Biden's speech on Monday. The audio is not great. It's not bad. It's kind of eh, but I think it's good. And the content is terrific. So I definitely want to share that with you. A couple of observations. I have been genuinely surprised by the emotional reaction to the scenes that we're seeing out of Afghanistan. Now, you could say, well, Michael, they're horrible. I mean, watching desperate Afghans clinging to the outside of a U.S. transport plane and then falling thousands of feet to their deaths is horrifying. But, you know, we live in a world where horrible things happen all the time, where governments commit horrible actions. I would remind you that Uh, that uh, Disney Plus that you watch is brought to you in large part by the same country that's holding a million Uyghurs in essentially concentration camps. So we live in a horrible world. Why is this hitting us so hard? And I I think there are two things happening. One is it's such an egregious example of of American incompetence. And I know, uh, because I spend way too much time on Twitter, which, by the way, is any time on Twitter. Uh, It's just Trump's fault. It's Biden's fault. Republicans stink. Democrats stink. (laughs) This is just good old-fashioned suck. This was just a fiasco. We have a piece up at NH Journal about Biden's terrible speech. and, And the point is that it doesn't matter... How bad you think the policy was and whether you think America should never have gone to Afghanistan, should never stay in Afghanistan, should get out, whatever your policy is on that, that doesn't change the fact that ending our troop presence there is a thing. It's a job like, you know, washing the dishes or you know, tying your shoes, filling the gas, car with gas. And Joe Biden just blew this he didn't blow it because he's terrible at foreign policy in a lot of people's opinion he is terrible at foreign policy but you you don't have to agree with that this was just sheer utter and embarrassing incompetence when did america and its military start stinking at what we do this badly all we had to do was leave it's not that hard and it's not like we were doing it with you know incoming fire from the Luftwaffe or the you know old Soviet Union or the Chinese the, the Taliban don't even have airplanes. In fact, the only advanced weapons they have are the ones that we left behind in our panic to get out of the country and just abandoned literally tens of millions of dollars of high-tech weaponry across the nation of Afghanistan. So it's I think the incompetence of it is embarrassed that's why we are embarrassed. And then the other part is that even though we may be a nation that is less church and temple and synagogue going than in the past, we're a nation where there are more non-believers, neutral people. We're still a nation I think has a large moral sense. When you listen to, for example, you may not agree with anything that AOC, uh, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has to say, but she frames a lot of it in a moral sense frame you know you we owe it to people to help them if they are sick and need things like fifty thousand dollars in student loan debt forgiveness whatever you owe it to them because it's your moral duty and i think we're, we're a nation that still feels a lot of moral duty and it's hard to say to yourself as you jump off to sleep at night that you did your moral duty when you abandon a bunch of people not to your political opponents or people you disagree with Or people who weren't properly elected like, you know, some Central America, South American country. No, these people, the people, the average people of Afghanistan, the non-Islamic radical people of, of Afghanistan are being abandoned to monsters. The Taliban are monsters. And we know that. There are going to be pictures of schoolgirls with acid thrown in their face and tales of forced marriages and rape and whole families will be executed. And according to some media reports, it's happening right now. And we're going to know that for a price that for our wealthy and powerful country would be low, you know, 2 or 3,000 troops, very few battlefield deaths, uh, You know, uh, standing up a weak and incompetent army. We could have prevented this we couldn't necessarily make anything better. We can't make the you know spread true democracy through uh, Afghanistan, but we could have stopped this. And I think those are the things that weighing on that are weighing on us, as far as a political part. And you know, in the middle of horror, normal people don't want to talk about politics. But I'm not normal. I'm a political pundit junkie guy. Uh, I talked to David Paleologos from. Suffolk University. And once again, you can read this at nhjournal.com. And he made an interesting point. He said that Biden's making a bold move based on the premise that independents are already drifting away from him. He has, you know, Biden has a lot of challenges, inflation, the border, the mixed messaging on COVID. I would say incompetence. I mean, I, th- I think that's kind of becoming the defining feature of Joe Biden. Heart's in the right place, just not really getting the job done. But whatever you want to say about. You know, COVID. It's clear we're not comfortable as a country right now with where we are in COVID, and it's hard to say, being honest, that the White House is doing a good job of making us more comfortable with where we are. So, you, so independents have been drifting away from him. He had a ten point drop in a single month in one poll. And Paley Logos says, "Look, the independents love the idea of bringing the troops home. They hate the idea of America you know, wasting blood and treasure abroad for you know foreign countries." And six months from now, this could look very different. Six months from now, it could all be, I'm the president who brought the troops home. yay us, And it could be a strong selling point. But it could also fall apart. And who determines whether or not uh, in the 2022 and 2024 elections that this bold move of overriding everyone and just saying we're getting out, damn the consequences, was a good political move or a bad one? Who makes that decision? It's not Joe Biden. It's the Taliban. If the Taliban decide they're done with exporting terror, if the Taliban decide they're going to be low-key about their abuse of their own citizens, then Biden could come out of this in stronger shape, particularly with persuadable voters. But if the Taliban act like, well, you know, the Taliban, and if you read the dispatch.com or the great work by Tom Jocelyn, who's been following the war on terror since before 2001, you know that al-Qaeda is actually stronger than we've been told, that it's a much more viable force. And there's another uh, Islamic uh, state, ISIS group, that's also been growing pretty strongly. Now you've got these three terror groups all hanging out in Afghanistan. Are we going to make it 18 months without a significant terror attack? Is it possible? That's the bet that Joe Biden has made. Do you want to put your political fortunes in the hands of the Taliban? So that's the politics. That's how I see it. I'm Michael Graham. But what do I know? Let's talk to someone much smarter than me. I was able to reach former U.S. Senator Kelly Ayotte and ask her for her take on where we are as the Afghanistan fiasco rolls on. So what do you see that's been happening? And as someone who spent six years in the Senate, what do you see that maybe a typical person might miss in the events of the last few days?
0: Well, first of all, as I look at where we are, this is just incredibly disturbing. It did not have to be this way. Uh, Even if the president was going to make the decision to withdraw, uh, he did not have to do it in this way that I think uh, put unfortunately at risk US personnel, all of the interpreters and those who worked with us. This is a very big issue about US credibility. But to me, The credibility of the U.S. You have to step back and think about that.
1: Uh, President Biden, in his remarks on Monday, said that we just had to leave. That the choice was either to stay forever or leave like this. Uh, Do you agree that those are the two options?
0: Oh, that was I think that was a false choice that he presented in his speech because uh, you know I I actually participated in. Uh, was called the Afghan Study Group. I was one of the co-chairs along with uh, Joe Dunford, who's the former chair, uh, chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and it was a bipartisan group. Congress asked us to look. Um, I worked on this all last summer, you know, and and interviewing people in Afghanistan. Our military uh, spoke to many leaders about this, and there were other choices that he could have made. We we recommended one in our study group um, that they ignored. Uh, that the administration should not withdraw the troops, that the withdrawal should be contingent on the Taliban actually reducing and actually showing they would come to the table to work something out with the Afghan government. And the Taliban never did any of that because essentially we just said, we're going to leave. They just got the message, hey, we can do whatever we want, unfortunately.
1: But do you think it would even be possible to negotiate with the Taliban, or would it be similar well, to President, attempts?
0: So when President Trump was in office, he started the process. And uh, the question is, unfortunately, the conditions were never correct to see if there could be any outcome there. Because right. once you start telling the Taliban to take your troops out, you don't have any leverage. And uh, so, but uh, again, to just not even try to see if you could get them... Uh, to reduce the violence rather than just the action that was just taken to precipitously take the troops out and Mm. be where we are now and to see the devastation in Afghanistan. And by the way, the reemergence of the Taliban, who harbors al-Qaeda and Islamic uh, State of the Khorasan province, other terrorist groups, to me that to say he had no other options uh, to me is not true.
1: Uh, one of the things that uh, is mentioned a lot by the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies and Tom Jocelyn, who's been covering this uh, for decades, is that al-Qaeda has been growing steadily in the, over the past decade, that it's not the case that al-Qaeda was down to, to 10 or 20 guys, as we were told repeatedly, but that it's been growing. Is that Does that match the information? Obviously, you're not, no longer a member of well, the Senate. so we, so we...
0: We did talk to our, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't privy to classified information for this report, but we did talk to our military leaders to get what we thought, uh, you know, was a range of the estimate of the strength of Al Qaeda. And our efforts in Afghanistan, uh, working with the Afghan troops, did contain Al Qaeda and kept them at bay and kept them on the run and killed many of them. Uh, So Al Qaeda's influence has been diminished, but is not gone. And you're right. It's not just al-Qaeda, by the way. It's also um, the Islamic State in the Khorasan province. Uh, So you have to worry about that group as well. And uh, our containment of them did not mean that we destroyed them. We basically kept them at bay. We kept them in a place where they would not threaten our homeland. And when we looked at this report, uh, when we heard from our military leaders, the estimate was that after withdrawal that they would reconstitute in a way that could threaten our homeland between in the course of 18 to 24 months. But when I see how quickly this whole thing happened, I, I would say that it has to be uh, a much quicker time frame uh, now. And I, I'm not privy to the intelligence on that, but that would just make sense to me based on what I was told.
1: As a person who has been in government or might want to be in government again someday, perhaps in an executive position, I've heard a lot of people complaining that apparently nobody's going to get fired. Nobody in the intelligence end, no one in the military end, nobody who assured that we could hold them off, that this was a 12-month process as opposed to a one-weekend process. If you were in charge, wouldn't you fire somebody?
0: Well, if I were in charge, I wouldn't have made the decision that I made. (laughs) Because ultimately, I will say, yes, I think that we should look at and hold people accountable, there's no doubt. But at the end of the day, the leader's accountable, and President Biden needs to be accountable for this decision.
1: What do you say to the uh, argument that this is simply wrapping up, that however badly he's doing it, that in six months, all that anyone will remember is that American troops are no longer there and that America should learn its lesson and stay home, stay out of foreign entanglements, as President Washington said. You know watch, You just let the Middle East, let Russia, let China, let them do what they're going to do, and let's just stay home and, and mind our knitting. Why isn't that? It's certainly a foreign policy that a lot of Trump supporters embrace. Why isn't that the right foreign well, policy? I,
0: I actually believe that we should be more thoughtful of, before we engage in any type of foreign conflict first of all we should have a plan to succeed and we should go in if we're going to engage we should go in with overwhelming force um, or not do it at all and so to me i where i i fully agree that you know in the idea of reducing our our foreign engagement that We should be much more thoughtful, we should take the lessons um, that we have had from prior conflicts, and we should make sure that we understand them and learn from them before we even make the decision to go into um, any kind of, you know, foreign conflict. And by the way, we have to make sure that our core U.S. national security interests are implicated, not somebody else's national security interests, our national security interests before we're going to engage internationally so um to me that you know there's 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 a valid point there to say don't engage unless a there's a core u.s national interest uh, at stake but let's not forget why we went into afghanistan originally our country was attacked and the taliban harbored al-qaeda and osama bin laden and those who attacked us and killed americans So we had a core U.S. interest at stake. Now, there were many mistakes, unfortunately, that were made along the way in Afghanistan, and we should learn from those.
1: A few months from now, we're gonna have images on uh, TV screens of women being pushed into forced marriages, women being turned away from work sites and schools. It's not even a few months. I'm already hearing about uh, them now. I'm trying to be a conservative small C, because there's been, there have been disputed media reports. But at some point, you know, we're going to have the Taliban be the Taliban. And I guess my question right. to you is, what should Americans think then? I mean, for example, Senator Shaheen and Senator Hassan have both said the Taliban must you know, treat women with respect. It must not abuse women the way it did in the past. And, and to quote that brilliant foreign policy uh, expert, my lovely bride, who screamed at the TV, or what? In other words, current, no one's going to do anyone. anything.
0: Um, there's going to be very little we can do. We can, we can speak out. We can, we can call out our international partners. We can deny the Taliban any t- type of, you know, make sure that they don't receive any financial resources. I hope that's the minimum we could do. But the reality is, is that we're not going to be able to do much about this, and it's sad.
1: Uh, one last thing, on, I've been just wrapping up for quick, two quick questions. One is you mentioned money. There's been discussion of giving the Taliban money in order to basically bribe them into letting us evacuate everyone that needs to be evacuated. Would That's you support? Outrageous.
0: Okay, the fact that we would think about bribing the Taliban to let them get our people out safely, if we had done this correctly in the first instance, we could have gotten our people out safely. Listen, we have to do. You know, to me right now, um, you know, holding that airport and making sure our people get out safely, that's that's the least we can mm-hmm. do. Uh, so the people who have served in Afghanistan, you know, who have, you know, who are our fellow citizens, and then also those interpreters who helped protect our military and helped them when they were serving there.
1: Not, not that I ever editorialize for, <laughs> former Senator Ayah, but I gotta tell you, watching this cluster event the average. Oscar is a good word. Uh, the average wedding planner could have done a better job of anticipating what you would have needed to do this the right way, so that if we had to withdraw, we could have done so safely and orderly. This is just horrifying. But I, that brings me to the last final I, question. I think, I think
0: you got it right there. Unfortunately. Yeah.
1: So the last question. So some people are suggesting, you know, Joe Biden's been in Washington forever, but he was only a legislator. He was never an executive. Is a legislator really prepared for the tough? one-person decisions that an executive... For example, just uh, this is a random example, Kelly Ayotte. Say a former U.S. Senator, we're thinking about running for governor of a New England state. How do these lessons of legislating in the U.S. Senate apply to the the skills needed to be an executive?
0: Well, I think it depends on who the former legislator is and what their skill sets are and what their experiences to me to make that decision because obviously we have had, uh, you know, former legislative serves in many capacities and, and they have done uh, a good job. So, you know, it, it, well, and by the way, if you're asking about me, I also happen to have been an executive because I was attorney general of our yes. state. So.
1: <laughs> I was hoping you were going to mention that so that I didn't have to do it for you. Yeah,
0: no, no, I'm curious in the executive and the legislative branch because uh, as as the attorney general i was the yeah. chief legal officer and the chief law enforcement officer yeah. of the state i ran an office uh you know over of uh at the time it was at least about 130 people but also obviously worked with the county attorneys and police throughout the state
1: well you know this is a fraught emotional moment if you'd like to get something off your chest say about your plans for 2022 <laughs> feel free to do it right here
0: well michael i don't have anything to get off my chest but um you know i i really, appreciate your focusing uh on this issue and also the work that new hampshire journal does every day to to shine a light on new hampshire (laughs) politics it's good stuff
1: thank you so much kellyanne for joining us here we appreciate your time
0: all right take care
1: Thanks so much for listening to this special edition of the New Hampshire Journal podcast. Have another edition coming up. Also, thank you for the uh, emails to uh, newsnhj at insidesources.com about, hey, where the heck were you guys last week? We took a week off. We're on our summer schedule still, though we've got a bonus edition popping out every now and then. But it's Monday, Wednesday, Friday for the newsletter until Labor Day, and then we'll be back at our regular schedule. But thank you once again for all your patience. Thanks for supporting New Hampshire Journal. That's always appreciated. And if you haven't signed up for our newsletter, please do. There's a little box right on the screen at nhjournal.com, upper right-hand corner. Click fill out. Send it to your friends. They'll like it too. I'm Michael Graham at New Hampshire Journal. Thanks so much for listening.